Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So hi everybody and welcome to the latest Kitchen Garden podcast. Um, And today I'm delighted to be talking to head gardener Nick Fraser. Nick is head gardener of Nunnington Hall in North Yorkshire. Um, Also other gardens, Ormsby Hall and Revo Terrace. Um, So he covers an awful lot of ground. Um, But today um, I'm chatting to Nick about um, Nunnington. Hi Nick, it's great great to talk to you. Hi Steve, thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure and, and thanks for your time. So Nick, you, you've obviously got a, a lot of hats uh, with the National Trust, but how long have you been head gardener at Nunnington Hall? So, I, well, I've been working at Nunnington Hall for just over 20 years and I've been the head gardener for about 15 of those. So I started as the assistant gardener and um, then worked my way up to be, to be the head gardener and, and then taken on several other properties over the last five years. My goodness, yeah, yeah. And... I mean, I guess the gardens changed quite a bit in that time, but I was wondering, um, I think the trust, did they take over Nunnington in the, in the 50s, about sort of 52? Um, and I, I wondered how much it might have changed in that time. You know, have you have you been developing it? In Do you try and keep it as it was when the trust took it over or do you develop it in your own way? We are fairly lucky because we're not really bound with a lot of historical precedent with the garden at Nunnington. There is certain areas that that we know that the family were very fond of, like the Rose Borders and the Iris Garden, um, which we do keep. And and we are in in the middle of looking at um, restoring and replanting the Iris Garden and reimagining that that site, but it will still um, be predominantly irises, but with a, a more of a seasonal interest in there. Yeah. Um, but no, we have quite a lot of flexibility within the garden and there's been quite a big push over the recent years to, to get more seasonal interest throughout the whole year as we're opening mm-hmm. up more than we, we used to be and we're opening up throughout the winter time that, it's, uh, that we're trying really hard to get more seasonal interest and more nature and wildlife interest through the garden as well so the visitors have got something to see at all times of the year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I visited, I, I, I just, it, what really struck me, I think, was it was it's such a relaxed garden. It's lovely. It's um, and sort of almost intimate. So, you know, a lot of the, the big old gardens you visit are, are enormous, aren't they? Um, and although there's quite a bit of ground here, um, it's got a really nice, relaxed feel about it. And I think that's perhaps part, part, partly to do with the sort of nature friendly planting you've got. Um, I do. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the charm of the whole site, so not just mm. the garden, but the house as well. It's, it's, it's a very intimate feeling place. It's not a big, yeah. grand, austere place that people feel intimidated by. And even though it's a lot larger than most people's houses and gardens, they can still, because it's not so grand and so big, that people can relate to it and people can understand and people can take ideas from what we do in the garden and um, they can take those ideas home because we do try and do things on a, on a smaller scale and, and particularly in the vegetable garden, which we'll talk about a bit more um, soon. Yeah. Um, we have some smaller beds. In fact, we have some metre square beds where we've shown in the past people how they can do metre square gardening. And, and it, people can relate to it even if they've just got a windowsill or a small patio or a small backyard or, if, or if, even if they have got a slightly larger garden, people can take something from our garden and hopefully be inspired and do something at home similar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I was thinking that. that yeah, the productive garden you've got there. I think it was, is, is it my writing saying it was developed on the old tennis courts? Um, that, that's correct, yeah. So, so it was originally tennis courts up until about 1970, and then it was turned into a cutting garden. So mm. it was just particularly for cut flowers for the house. We, we still grow cut flowers in there. We have one of the beds as um, just dedicated to cut flowers, and then we also grow some cut flowers around some of the vegetable beds. And, and rather than changing the name to the, the kitchen garden or the vegetable garden, we stuck with the name cutting garden because it's it's fairly unique. Not lots of people, lots of people have vegetable gardens, but um, the cutting garden has always been the name we've used. And, and even w- whether we're cutting flowers for the house or whether we're we're cutting vegetables, we still we still use the term cutting, and I still think it's relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and as you say, it's on the sort of scale that, um, well, certainly if someone's got an allotment, they may, they may even have more area than that. So it's it's um, it, yeah, it's doable, isn't it? You know, you could translate absolutely. what you've got there into your own back garden very easily, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so most things could maybe not our compost heaps. Our compost heap system is, is quite large. So oh, they're impressive. Larger than yeah. most people's <laughs> gardens and most allotments. But yeah, we we do pride ourselves on on the the, the amount of of, of compost and leaf mould we make each year yes i was going to mention your compost it's it's that's impressive and and um i mean it, it fits in with the sort of educational feel vibe you've got going there as well it's um you know, all the heaps are labeled and you explain exactly the process what's going on um and that's the sort of theme through the garden isn't it i think you've got um, boards up and things so that people can learn as they're walking around yeah absolutely i mean we, we want to we want to inspire with people we want to we want to um we want to share some of our knowledge with people and, and the same we want our visitors to share their, their knowledge and experience with us but it's quite unusual to have the compost area in actually within the, the public garden itself so most gardeners or gardens have their compost heaps hidden away somewhere around the back somewhere out of sight mm. but we, we put them in the pride of place but we put them where we need them which is near the vegetable garden and then we take that opportunity to, to um, interpret those so that people can hopefully learn how to compost at home and we get so many questions from people wanting to, to do more composting and we do we do more than just the normal compost heaps we have a compost tumbler um, we use a, a roly pig for the kids which is oh, a, a that's big, fun um, yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, we have a wormery which we can we can show the kids how to, to and, and the families how that we can um, recycle and compost some of the kitchen waste using worms in a, in a very rodent free um odor free um clean environment which, which is also what i do at home as well so, mm. so we have several different techniques and we, we really love sharing that with our visitors yeah yeah there's all, there's so much to see and do i have to say especially for the kids um but i was going to say ask you 
you, you garden organically there, don't you? I know all National Trust gardens, I think, do now, but you you make a point of sort of providing information on, on how you do that. And I, I think, do you even use some nematodes for, for slugs and biological, con you know, natural controls? Yes, yes, we do. We, we don't do it every year, but we use, when we've had particularly damp years, we, we've had a nemeslug, nematode slugs to try mm. and control slug con, uh, control in the garden. Uh, we are quite lucky that we also have quite a lot of hedgehogs. We have um, we have peacocks in the garden, which I yes. wouldn't necessarily yeah. recommend. Um, we have <laughs> the odd occasional duck coming in off the river, and and lots of uh, blackbirds and thrushes, which are also good at um, snail and slug control. So, so so we try and utilise as many things as possible. But yeah, we have reverted to to nematodes occasionally and um, uh, we have been completely organic at Mannington for 21 years now which, yes. which isn't actually the case for all National Trust Gardens we're all trying to be as chemical free as possible um, but yeah we've been we've been totally organic for over 20 years. Gosh yeah what, what else do you do to, to help control pests I, I think I, I remember a fruit cage you've got there and um, you were growing some of your brassicas I think some cabbages under there as well. Yeah, well, most of the netting is actually not. It, 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 we have to net um, our brassicas for, for cabbage white butterfly, for, for large whites, small whites, uh, green veined mm -hmm. whites, or, or, or cabbage whites as they get lumped all together. Um, but mainly, we have to net everything because of the peacocks. Um, oh, the peacocks, yes, <laughs> they, they will eat everything and anything, and and. and if they get a taste for it, they will strip it overnight. So it is. Um, we love having the peacocks in the garden, and they've been a part of Mannington Hall for over seventy years. Um, but it does mean that we have to adapt our our growing techniques and some of our um, some of the ways we, we we grow things, particularly the vegetables, um, because they will just strip them. And there's certain annuals and flowers in the main garden that we can't grow because we know that they just get a liking for them and they will strip <laughs> them immediately. So oh, so you, you sort of learn to you learn to, to know what to plant and what not to plant. But yes, certainly we have to net most of the vegetables otherwise they, they will come along and and um, nibble away at them yeah yeah <laughs> i think you've even got um, a grapevine there as well haven't you which looked quite impressive when i was there yeah, yeah we've, we've got a few productive? outdoor vines yeah uh, we've got a few outdoor vines and then we've actually in the greenhouse we've also got a few indoor vines as, as well so and then we've also got quite a lot of vines on the walls of the of the, the main garden which are more decorative and grown really for the foliage but mm. occasionally produce a little bit of fruit as well yeah, yeah. Um, and as well as the, the, the cutting garden, um, another very impressive thing, you know, as a food, as a food gardener um, that I noticed were, were your orchards. Um, I think you've got, well, sort of, I, I suppose, three orchards or you could say one big orchard, but it's divided into separate fruits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we class it as three separate small orchards. Mm. Um, so we have the the apple orchard, we have the pear orchard, and then we have the stone fruit orchard with with a, a mini collection of gauges, um, plums, and damsons, and and a few other random things fall into that that category as well. So things like the quinces and medlars sort of sit between the pears and the stone fruit. Um, but they're all managed as wildflower meadows underneath. So we allow the, mm. the, the, the the early spring and summer flowers to flower underneath the meadows, and that means we get a double whammy. We get all that great. Um, early season colour all the way from where they're planted with snowdrops and then the cowslips, primulas, daffodils, snakes head fritillaries, um, even then later on right now we, we've still got um, scabious and um, the end of the oxide days is just finishing and then in about three or four weeks time we'll cut it all um, we, we've already cut class through so people can wander through the meadows and get closer to the apple trees and, and the fruit trees but when we do the main cut in August then the, the 
the apple trees and the fruit become the star of the show at that point. So early on in the year, the meadows are the star of the show. But once we cut it down and the fruit has swelled, then the fruit becomes the star of the show and people can get a lot closer and wander around. And then as the fruit develops and swells through, through late summer and early autumn, uh, people can get close and, and really have a really good look at the different traditional varieties that we, we grow here. Oh, yes. I was going to ask you, are they, they local varieties? Yeah, we, we have a mix. And so um, we started off with... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Particularly Yorkshire traditional varieties. Um, as it's developed over the years, we, we've, we've got one or two of the ones that we just particularly either like the name of or just we think is going to be a good addition to the orchard or, or ones that are very usable in the kitchen. But yeah, we have things like Yorkshire Cockpit um, and Yorkshire Beauty. Um, we've got one called Hunt House, which was which was um, the apple supposedly that Captain Cook took away with him on his journey from oh. Whitby to, to keep scurvy at bay for his sailors. So it's very oh, high in vitamin C. So, so yeah, we have one or two interesting apples that, that are from the area. Yeah, yeah. And I think I noticed one called Dog Snout, which, which intrigued me. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, no dog snout is, is a great apple. It's um, it, it's because it's very, it, it's very snout looking. So it's a little bit like a dog's head. There's, there's also yes. another one called cat's head, and they have a, a quite a, an angular um, base on the on the end of the apple to make it look a little bit like a dog's nose. So yeah, is it? But it's a it's a really great apple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to ask you what you do with all the produce. Does it does it go to some of it? Go to the restaurant there and. So, so uh, the, the bulk of it goes to the tea room. We can't be entirely self-sufficient, so we, we can mm. make token gestures from, from the vegetable garden with, with things like, like um, um, you know, onions and potatoes are going in at the moment, beetroot later on in the year, we'll, we'll have leeks um, going into the kitchen. Um, mm. And uh, the, the apples, they use as many as they can. We do a lot of apple pies, uh, windfall cakes. Um, but then we also have the Autumn Festival in, in autumn where we have a weekend where we celebrate all things autumnal, particularly yeah. um, the orchards and the fruit. And we do a lot of orchard tours. We do some apple juicing so people can get to taste freshly squeezed apple juice. Um, and we also bag a few up. And if people want to give donations and take some of the apples away with them, then they can do that as well. So it, it all gets used in some, in some shape or form by the yeah. end of the season. 
yeah yeah and, and you, you've mentioned the meadows underneath the orchards and, and when i was there um beginning of july they were they were stunning you know and the, the insects it was just amazing it's buzzing with bees um but is that something people could do in, in obviously a smaller scale but in their own gardens yeah we, we do try and encourage people to try and leave some areas of their lawn un, uncut and, and um particularly we've been doing the, the no mow may for the last few years and oh, encouraging you? people yeah. to leave areas of grass and, and what we try and say to people is, is you don't have to leave everywhere just completely uncut because um, that might look um, it might look unkempt and it might um, it might not look aesthetically pleasing. So what mm. we advise people to do is cut shapes into the lawn or cut um, a perimeter around or cut a circle or leave a circle in the middle and then it looks as though it's planned, it looks as though it's purposeful and, it, and people then suddenly realise that they're leaving it for a reason rather than just doing it because... For instance, their lawnmower's broken, or, or, yeah. or they, they they just they just can't be bothered. So I think by doing a bit of lawn art, cutting some shapes in, cutting some paths, um, cutting a perimeter around, but then leaving some areas wild, and even if it's just a meter square, you can get so much when you sit there and observe and, and watch closely. You can see so much life in just a meter square of of um, meadow grass with with all the the, the bugs and insects and, and the bees and the hoverflies and, and the butterflies. It's, it's really good fun just to have that mini safari of a, of a meter square of, yeah. of longer grass and flowers. Yeah, and I, and I guess that's more pollinators and predators for your fruit trees. It, it is as well, and you asked earlier about what organic controls we do, and and we, we don't do a huge amount because we, uh, patience is the one of the things that we uh, we encourage most of all because having so much life in the garden with so many. Um, insects wandering around they they do create a balance themselves so if we do have a bit of a uh, a, a, a splurge of, of aphids early on in the year on the roses for instance mm. we know that we've got so many ladybirds lace wings and then the blue tits are, um, are fledging their young about the same time as the aphids are coming out that within a few weeks of seeing the aphids they've all been removed by our by our natural predators our lace wings our ladybirds and our blue tits and, and i always say that if we were going in and removing the aphids there would be nothing to build up the populations of the blue tits and the, the the lace wings and the ladybirds, and therefore we'd have more of a problem the year afterwards. So I think by being a little bit patient and letting the, the natural controls take over, then next year we're going to have even more blue tits and we'll have even more ladybirds and we'll have even more lace wings and we'll have even more, even more other insects which will help us control um, and keep the balance. So I think a little bit patience is one of our most important organic techniques yeah yeah and I, and I guess there are other ways to to attract you know, pollinators and predators because i was i was really um impressed with your wildlife corridor you've got there um which is you know you've got um log stacks haven't you and um and in the, i think probably the biggest bug hotel i've ever seen um there as well <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we always like to go one step beyond. So when I mentioned No Mo May, we actually extended into Let It Bloom June this year. And we're now oh. trying to come up with a, a saying for July, um, August, September, so different areas will be left. And, and the book hotel, it started off small, but as other people made their own book hotels, we decided we want to go um, slightly <laughs> bigger. But, but the, the wildlife corridors worked really well. It was a bit of dead space that connected one part of the, the, the top of the avenue with the cutting garden. And horticulturally, there was not a lot we could do in that dark space. So we mm. put in a, a native hedge, a log wall with a turf top. We've put in a little bird feeding station with a little bird uh, bath um, pond inside there. We've put some habitat tiles. Uh, we've, we've put um, the bug hotel. We've put some bird boxes and insect boxes up on the wall. So we've utilized this, this sort of dead space to, to be uh, 
a really great engagement space and to just tell the story of how important gardens are nowadays for not only for wildlife but to create wildlife corridors to connect gardens and and green spaces with each other because the connectivity is just as important as providing the habitat yeah absolutely yeah and plenty for people as you say to take away for their own gardens and and to engage the children um just to showing them how important wildlife is in the garden absolutely yes and, and, and insects i think um, at the top of that list that we it's very easy for we we all love the, the bigger cuddlier creatures and some of the bigger birds but if we don't look after our insects then then we don't have that food chain going up so we're really looking very heavily at promoting how important insects and pollinators are over, over the recent years yeah yeah and and going back to going back to the orchard just briefly and i was intrigued to learn that you use um is it sheep a sheep fleece mulch around the bottom of the trees that's correct yes be, be, because we grow the orchards we have the orchards managed as wildflower meadows there is a certain amount of competition with the wildflowers and the perennial grasses that grow below the fruit trees we don't believe when the fruit trees are mature that that's a problem but when they're young in the first five years of their life we put a, a sheep fleece mulch around the base of them just to get them established and, and what that does because we're mainly using what's called the daggings or the dag ends of the sheep fleeces the, mm. the very manure encrusted back end of the fleeces which aren't very good for spinning and so is more of a waste product yeah we can put them down and it takes about 12 to 18 months for them to slowly break down so it's providing a, a drip release fertilizer to the young fruit trees it's stopping the competition of the the grasses around the base and it's also keeping the moisture in as well so it's a it's a win-win and because it's a free product um nunnington was always traditionally a a sheep rearing area and an orchard and apple growing area so it, it just fits so perfectly it's just such a great little synergy that that it works so well that we, we've been continuing that for many years yeah yeah and um I, I meant to ask you as well sorry i'm jumping about a little bit here but um back up in the cutting garden um do you how do you choose the varieties of veg that you grow do you do you grow heritage types or do you just grow those that grow well for you in in your particular area we, we we have tried a few heritage types and we do occasionally so we have been growing some some like um, some of the shetland black potatoes and, and some of the the, the, the purple carrots uh, which is for a bit of fun but, but generally we go with tried and tested varieties that are going to uh, going to grow well we, we need them to look good you know we are in a garden that's open to the public and we are providing the tea room with with seasonal vegetables so we want mm. things that are going to be yielding well tasting um, good and looking good so so we, we generally go with just things that are tried and tested and we know are going to work yeah yeah oh that's great well you mentioned you've got um an event coming up for the autumn with with the fruit I guess yeah, people yeah, can look on the website and find details of that. Yeah, that's that's, that's correct. So uh, it's over the, the weekend of the 21st and 22nd of October, and we'll be running lots of orchard tours. We'll be doing some apple juicing, and we'll be we'll be um, bagging up some apples for the visitors if they would like to donate and take some home with them. So if anybody wants to come along and learn a little bit more about growing fruit in the garden or, or knowing a little bit more about about what fruit to grow or, or what rootstock suit to grow on or, or traditional varieties then then come along over that weekend and um, and, and come and have a chat with us oh that'd be amazing i'd, I'd love to come back because it's uh, i think it could well be one of my favorite national trust gardens i have to say nick it's um it's it's unique it's and um well worth a visit 
that, that's really nice of you to say. And, and going back to what we said earlier, because we, what we try really hard to do to try and make it informal but formal, we, we keep the very formal areas clean and crisp, the gravel well raked, the topiary well cut, the lawn well cut, but then we can get away with a lot more natural planting within the borders and in the meadows. And, and I think that just gives people a very relaxed feel as they're visiting the garden. Sometimes if it's too formal, people can feel um, a little bit intimidated by the formality or, or, or not really as... as um, they, they can't relate to it as well with mm. their own spaces, mm. but because of the size of our house, and it's the same inside the house as well, it's a very relaxed feel. Uh, we, we, we don't mind kids running around or um, you know people going in the wrong direction. People feel like they're a guest or a visitor when they visit, visit Nuneaton Hall, whether it's in the garden or in the house, and they yeah. feel like they're, they're a welcome guest and they've come to stay, and it's not like they're tiptoeing around a museum. So it, it is a very welcoming space. It, it certainly is, yeah, and I can, again, I say I can recommend it. It's a great, great day out. And you've got so many other places nearby as well. So, uh, yeah, really yeah. is well worth a visit. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking to us, Nick. I know you're a very busy man with at least three gardens I've counted to look after. <laughs> so I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much to, in talking to us. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.